All right, and we are back. Hey, everybody. Man, it has been a while, a while, hasn't it? Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry to keep you all waiting. Um, <laughs> all three of you. Remember, I picked up one. We're, we're up to three now. So I'm doing an open mic tomorrow. Uh, this is going to be the first time I've ever been up in front. Actually, I'm lying. Uh, this is not going to be the first time I've ever been up in front of people talking. But this is going to be the first time I've been up in front of people talking, uh, trying to be funny and make them laugh. And a buddy of mine, Miguel, he invited me. Uh, he said that I needed to do it. It's kind of something that I kind of fantasized about doing for a long time, but you know, and I'm not necessarily scared to do it. I, I, I talk in front of people for a living. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what my job is because then you'll try to cancel me, but I talk in front of people for a living. So like talking in front of people has never been an issue for me. Uh, you know, I, I discovered back in college that I was not nervous, like not in a way like in, in talking in front of people. I mean, I don't mean ner not nervous in general. I mean, I wasn't nervous in uh in terms of just talking in front of people i i i don't know why i i don't want to say that i don't care because i do care but i guess i always just kind of thought somebody's got to speak in front of these people and i'm not i don't try too hard like that's a thing like i don't try too hard to be funny i think that's the key I think the key to being funny, and I always tended to make people laugh. Like I kind of just noticed a trend uh, that people laughed, and it was like genuine laughter when I was talking to groups of people. But it wasn't like forced. It was just kind of like, oh, okay, all right. You know, I wasn't like killing it or anything, but I wasn't necessarily trying to kill it. I was just, you know, trying to talk about this thing that wasn't necessarily supposed to be funny, but it's just kind of my nature to uh, have a, you know, look at things in a humorous light, I guess. Um, probably a coping mechanism from childhood from being super sad and scared a lot. I kind of defaulted to humor to make situations that I was in, um, you know, less terrifying. So, you know, I would try to think of a joke that would make me laugh when I had, you know, the bully from school had a finger in my ass. I would try to think about how he's going to be eating with that hand later. And he's going to have to smell my butt <laughs> he's gonna have to smell my butt uh while he's eating uh, hard shell tacos because you know how you have to like hold them in a certain way like your finger is gonna be like right your your, your index finger is gonna be like right there 
so I always kind of tried to not, I didn't try to, I just did, I guess it's just, it was just my coping mechanism was always, uh, do it, trying to make light of heavy things. Uh, and I got pretty good at it over the years. And in fact, I just make myself like, like I'll be sitting here and I'll just be thinking of something like I, I sit and think a lot with no screens. I, I do this a lot. Um, I wasn't really raised with screens. You know, I'm about to turn 37 here in a couple of weeks. Uh, I wasn't really raised with screens. And so like, I don't default to screens to entertain me. Um, you know, during childhood, another thing I didn't have a lot of was uh, playtime with peers. I had my brother and sister there most of the time. And I had stuff that I did at school. But when I wasn't at school, I was at home. And my brothers and my brother and sister, um, when I was younger, uh, we didn't, I mean, I guess we played. We played, I guess, but it was uh, more like, hey, you're in my, I'm, I'm playing and you're in the vicinity. And so it's kind of like we're playing together, but we didn't really do things together necessarily. Like I was really into sports. And so I was always bouncing a basketball or throwing a football or throwing a baseball up in the air and catching it or tossing a baseball to myself and hitting it and then going and chasing it or fishing or climbing trees or shooting guns or doing something like I was like a typical boy or jumping off the roof of the barn. Uh, that was one of my favorite things to do was climb up onto the roof of the barn um, and then jump off and then climb up and jump off again. It's probably why my knees are so fucked. Uh, but that's something that I would, that's the kind of stuff that I was into. My sister was a very girly girl. She was not into any of those things. Uh, she never played sports or did anything like that growing up. And my brother was a big gay homo. So he was also not into sports, but he was super aggressive in the paint. Let me tell you. Uh, I'm just kidding. He know he has a sense of humor about it. So if you're feeling a little wokey and you feel like warming up them old Twitter thumbs, then give it a break because he would laugh at that joke. Um, he's less offended by gay jokes than you are, you fucking turd. Uh, what's making the sadness go away tonight? You ask, well, great question. Let me tell you, honey citrus blonde from community beer company. It is a blonde ale with honey and orange peel. Let me tell you, this is pretty fucking good. And I'm not just saying that, uh, community that's a brew brew brewery. Um, couldn't decided I couldn't decide what I wanted to call it. Uh, it's a brewery in Dallas that's very good, right across from the American Airlines Center there, off of Highway 35. You know it. You love it. Community Beer Company. This episode brought to you by Honey Citrus Blonde. It's good. It keeps the sad away. 6% alcohol. Not bad. Not bad. 
not especially not for a blonde it's got uh pretty good abv that's alcohol by volume i'm an alcoholic that's why i know that all right so here's what i'm gonna do so the the open mic tomorrow i'm just gonna kind of like okay here's the thing i have to confess something to you guys if you don't know some of you might know this already but some of you most of you uh don't know that i have for years uh, just kind of been keeping a list of random ass thoughts that cross my mind that I find humorous. Um, and I so I have like this notes thing on my phone. You know, you have an iPhone, you have that notes thing. So I kind of like for years, I, I, I would just have thoughts and they would come and go and I would like think that they were hilarious and they would make me laugh. But then I wouldn't write them down or anything. And then I'd forget what they were. And so then one day I was like, I should like write these down and, and uh, you know, just look back on, I don't know, just keep them. I don't, I don't know what I didn't have a plan for them. I, but I started doing this like, uh, God, I don't know, probably four or five years ago. Um, I started doing this and keeping track of these random thoughts. And they're not all winners, but, you know, I would just think of something. I'd be like, huh, that's funny. And then I would write it down and I got in the habit. And here, five years later, I've got a list of like thousands and well, maybe not thousands, but uh, maybe several hundred for sure, like hundreds and hundreds of these random thoughts. Uh, and they come in waves. Like sometimes I'll get like one or two a week, but then in other times I'll get like three in a day. It just kind of depends on how busy I am. You know, if I, I have jobs, I have two jobs. Um, plus I do this, this is not a job. I don't make any money doing this. Um, so, you know, but I do have like two other jobs and when I'm not super busy and stressed out with all that stuff and I have time to actually sit and think, uh, pretty frequently during those brief periods of time where I'm sitting and thinking, uh, these thoughts come through my mind and, uh, I just kind of want to rifle some, uh, rifle through some, I should say with, with you guys. Just want to test out, uh, just kind of want to test out, you know, let will see. I don't know what, I, I haven't talked about these in extent. I just have a list. I literally just make like a brief little cliffs note version, ver, version, does say version, version, version is what I'm trying to say. Um, so anyway, let's just get started. Uh, first one, women can have equal pay when we are allowed to hit them. What do you think of that? Women can have equal pay when we are allowed to hit them. I wonder if that's got anything to it. I mean, it's, <laughs> that's not the worst one. That's not even close. I mean, there's so many more. That's just the one that's at the top of the list. That's the most recent one. The most recent ones are at the top. I just had this thought the other day. Like, I okay, here's what sparked it. Okay, so I saw this meme 
is it a meme or a gif or whatever the fuck it was like it's like a picture with words a still picture with just words it's like a poster it's like a it's like a propaganda world war ii nazi propaganda poster okay that's but they put it online it's one of those okay um and it had like it was two halves on the left half it was the best player in the WNBA. and to be honest i can't even remember her name which is funny because that kind of ties into the reason the person posted this nazi propaganda that they posted was for that very reason but I can't remember her name. Anyway, she's like the LeBron James of the WNBA. Um, and the, the on the other half was the actual LeBron James of the NBA, the LeBron James, the actual LeBron James. And they had their stats like side by side underneath their pictures. And it was like basically the same. That was just uh, the numbers aren't important. What 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 was important is that what she had accomplished in the WNBA was basically the same is what he had accomplished in the NBA. And then the very bottom part was uh, what her annual salary was and what his annual salary was. And his annual salary, LeBron James, was like $35 million a year or something like that, right? He's the best player in the world currently. He's LeBron James. He's the standard. He gets $35 million a year. That's not you know, it's believable, right? So, and then over there on her side, she made like $225,000 last year. And the implication was that she is, like women are discriminated against. And immediately I'm like, are you fucking retarded? This is... Are, like, are you implying, are you making the implication that there is a rich, fat, white guy who owns the WNBA and decides what players get paid and just has all this money and chooses to keep the vast majority of it for himself and give this much to LeBron James and a fraction of that to this lady who does the same thing? Is that what you're implying? Because that's not what's happening. Like, what's happening is that the NBA brings in a shit ton more money than the WNBA. Why? Because people like watching big, muscle-bound, fast dudes ram into each other and dunk on each other and jump 12 feet high and put their nuts in other guys' faces as they dunk on them and drag their sweaty sack down their forehead as they release from the rim and stand over the opponent's fallen body and pound their chest and bark like a dog and go back and everyone loses their shit on the sideline. That's what people like to watch. So therefore, more people watch it so they get more revenue. So therefore, they can pay their players more. How many people watch the WNBA? I didn't even know it was still a thing. In fact, I could not even remember the name of their version of LeBron James. And I'm not saying that she doesn't deserve credit. I'm just saying the reason she doesn't make as much is because the league doesn't make as much. If they paid her 
what they pay LeBron James, it would bankrupt the entire league. The entire fucking WNBA is probably not worth $35 million. Are you kidding me? Anyway, that's what sparked the whole thing. Now, of course, if I was doing a bit about that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like go into, I don't know, maybe I would, I don't know. Is that what was what I just said funny as is, or do I need to spice it up? I don't know, throwing a dick joke or something. Maybe talk about how awful men are because if there's anything that makes women laugh, it's talking about how awful men are, right? If there's anything that makes men uncomfortable as hell, it's talking about how awful women are, right? But only when men are present with women and then like they get tight buttholes whenever you talk about how awful women are because they know that they're being watched by said woman who's sitting near them in their vicinity. But when you get guys together alone, it's like, oh, thank God we can let our hair down. And I'm not going to be judged by some Nazi. I need like a bell I can ding. Like when I'm going on to the next topic, I can be like, bing, and then go on to the next one. I wonder if there's like an, a bell app. Or I can just pull it up on my phone, like press a button, and it makes a ding sound. A ding sound. I was about to say ding song. I'm th- so I was thinking about I was thinking about this. I was thinking about like if marriage was a thing that a guy invented at some point in the past. Like like marriage didn't exist. Like marriage was not a thing, and some guy invented marriage. And he wanted to, he somehow profited from, he was like a salesman. He was somehow profited from like the sale of, if he could get people to marry, he could somehow get like a commission off of it or something, right? So like he was, he created this product of marriage and he goes out on the street trying to sell it to people. Just good old grassroots marketing, right? Like what a hard time he would have selling the concept of marriage. Cause like we accept it. We just accept it today. But like marriage was not always a thing. You got to think like at some point, like marriage didn't exist. And then the first two people got married. And I don't know who those two people were, but there are two people at some point in human history in the past who who were the first two people to ever get like officially married, like contractually bound married. Um, and I was, I was wondering like how that came about. And, uh, if, if it were a product you would sell on the street, trying to sell it to just passersby who were walking down, like a couple would be walking down the street and they'd be like, Hey folks, (laughs) have you heard of marriage look at this lovely couple you two deserve to get married and then they'd be like marriage what's marriage and then he would go into explaining what marriage was be like oh marriage it's great you're gonna love it let me tell you all about it so here's the deal all right so you know what you're doing right now all right 
everything you're doing now, you keep doing that. All right. So what's the difference? The people ask. Well, the difference is that you put it down on paper and make it contractually binding. Well, why would we do that? We're perfectly happy as is. Well, come on. Don't you want that commitment? Don't you want that reassurance that you, you know, that your husband's not going to leave and go somewhere else or that she's not going to leave and find some other man? So you're saying that if we get married, we enter into a contract. That's right. And then if we enter into a contract, that means she can never sleep with another guy. Ah, she could still sleep with other guys. Well, then what's the point? What, what, what do you mean? Why would, but she's not supposed to, well, she's not supposed to now. So like, why would, she, why do I have to put that down on paper? Well, you know, when you put things down on paper, it just makes it more official. But you just said that she could do the same things that she could do before, even after we put it down on paper. So what's the difference? Well, how about this? If you guys were to split up after the fact, she'd get half your shit. What? <laughs> So she can still cheat. I, I enter into this legally binding agreement. And she can, we, it's nothing changes. We keep doing everything we're doing. Only if she leaves me for another man, as opposed to just being with the other man, as it would be now, I lose half my shit when she leaves me for another man. That's right. <laughs> So what's in it for me? Well, you get to sleep with the same woman forever. And that would be it. Like, and then the guy would just throw water in his face. Fuck you and walk away. Like who would go for that? Who would go for that? But apparently someone did. And then like no one wanted, I guess at some point the jig was up and people found out that this was like horse shit. And so that's when the government stepped in and said, all right, we're going to keep people married. We're going to keep people together. Why? I don't know. Why did the government care if you stayed married? But what they did was they offered tax incentives if you were married. So here's how the tax incentives work. If a single person makes $50,000, they pay X tax rate. If a married couple makes twice that amount, they pay X tax rate. Where's the incentive? You pay the same tax rate, whether it's by yourself or with someone else. I mean, I'm no expert on taxes. I know you get like a child tax credit. But that's minimal. Well, I don't know with Biden anymore. I don't know. It's, it's like they trying to make it like financially incentivize. They they trying to financially incentivize people to want to get and stay married. However, the financial incentives 
do not outweigh how much it costs to be married. Have you ever lived with a woman? Now, I know that not all women are spenders, but my God, I think we can all agree as a general rule, men are not the spenders in the family. There are some. Oh, sure. There are some. I'm sure that there are. But as a general rule, men are not made fun of consistently by women for spending all the money. In fact, I think a big complaint of women is that men have complaints about women and how much they spend. And the women don't like being talked to in that way of being told that they are overspending. So like men in general are not the big spenders. So I like the, the cost of having a wife financially, if we're talking just financially, we're not talking about emotional and I'm talking about companionship or having someone. It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't work out. The numbers just don't work out. And then, and then here's this thing, like, here's this new thing that women have been circulating around on the internet is my husband couldn't afford me. So here's what some, here's what some random broad did out on the internet. And I was on the business end of this argument at one point. Let me take a beer, take a beer. God, I can't fucking talk. I'm so tired. Take a drink of beer. Jesus Christ. This is how tomorrow night's going to go. And I'm going to fucking bomb. I'm already ready for it. I don't even care. I'm already sad and depressed. Who cares? How much worse could it get, really? Okay. I have to go. So, you know, I just took a drink. And I wasn't just sitting there staring at my balls. Um, God, what was I saying? Something about women and money and... Oh, yes. So... Uh, some, some random, uh, what must've been a lady started circulating this, uh, anti-male propaganda, or I don't know if it was anti-male or pro-female, or maybe a little bit of both. Maybe it wasn't anti-male. Maybe it's just pro-female. It's just misguided. Um, but this was something that the ladies just loved and they just spread around. It was about how their husband can't afford them. And, and what they did was they were like, okay. Here are all the jobs that women do. Women cook, women clean, women raise children. Um, and women, I'm sure there were some other things, but those are the big three, right? Cook, clean, raise children. Okay. So what they did is they, they took like the, the, how much it would cost if you hired a chef to like make all your meals for you three times a day year round and added that all up or how much it would cost you to eat out like three meals a day, added all that up, which is the extreme. And then they added to that number, which was already outrageous. Like you're already at like 60 grand, like right there. And, uh, then you add to that number 
what it would cost you to hire a cleaning lady. I say cleaning lady. Hey, gender equality. It could be a cleaning man, um, a cleaning person to come in and clean your house regularly. And that's another you know, outrageous number. And then how much it would cost uh, to provide childcare all day, every day, year round. And then you add all that up and it comes out to like $150,000, $160,000 or some shit. In fact, now that I think about it, I think it might've been a guy that wrote this article who was extremely whipped. Like, obviously, right? Like this is, this is clearly a guy who was really desperate to impress his wife. He probably like cheated on her and she agreed to stay with him for, I don't know, maybe he, he, for, he somehow convinced her to not leave him. And he was just really desperate to get back in her good graces. And he wrote this bullshit fucking article. I think that's what it was. I think, cause I think the article was called, I can't afford my wife. I'm like, bro, if you're trying that hard, you are hiding some deep, dark secret. I don't know. Like you, uh, you murdered somebody, you fucked her cousin, you did something. You did something that really try hard to get, or you're just like really desperate and you didn't get much tail growing up and you're just glad to have someone that touches your pee pee every now and then and you're <laughs> terrified of the thought of what life would be like without getting your pee pee touched by another person um but what i'm trying to say is that that's ridiculous because first of all men uh men do a lot of the stuff that women do like i you know when i was with my son's mother uh, when we were living under the same roof which we're not anymore that's why i'm in an rv down by the pond still paying for the house that she lives in by the way and for this and for all of my own stuff and for other stuff but anyway won't go there um and i don't make a ton of money so what do i do i just sacrifice and just cut back on stuff i just don't spend money on anything ever I trust Ash as much away as I can because God forbid something happened and I need to tap into that. Um, but anyway, so I did dishes. I cooked when it, you know, I, I cooked when she couldn't. I helped out with that. It wasn't 50-50. She cooked more than I did, but I cooked like some. I mean, I did, you know, what I could. I was I'm working two jobs. Like, I'm, you know, um, and I would do dishes and I would clean the house and I would take care of my son so that she could do things that she needed to do. Um, I, I, I had no free time, zero free time. So like, and, and I know I'm not the only one. I know that there's guys out there who are doing the same thing right now and getting zero credit for it. But then again, they're not looking for credit. Like most guys just aren't looking for credit. They just don't want to be shit on. Like I never wanted credit. I never wanted a trophy. I never cared about that. 
I wasn't like, hey, look at me. I did the dishes. Where's my trophy? Where's my blowjob? I never, I was never like that. I would, but I'd be goddamned if I'm going to like work two jobs and cook and clean and help and, and do help with all the other duties, like pull all my own weight plus some plus pull part of your weight and then be told that I'm not good enough. Like I'll be goddamned if that's, if I'm going to just sit and take that. So in times where I was being like, where that was implied toward me, oh yeah, there was problems. But like, what, what am I supposed to do? Just bend over and take it? Is that what a good husband does? I would probably still be, you know, with her under the same roof if that, if I did that, I'm sure, because then we would never fight. That's like really all we fought about was how me defending myself against being accused of not doing enough, even though I was like doing literally as much as I possibly could. Like, I, I, I honestly do not know of how much more I could have done. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, there was 24 hours in a day and it was completely packed. And I know that she was busy too, but like, and I didn't have a problem with doing everything I was doing. What I had the problem with was being accused of not doing enough after doing literally everything I could do. That was the problem I had. So I wasn't looking for a trophy, but I also wasn't going to be shit on either. Um, so yeah, marriage is a hard sell. It's a real hard sell. And if you're not married, don't fucking do it. Like, think about it. Do you really want to do it? Do you like what? And if you really do want to do it, think about why do you want to do it? If you ask this question, I've heard so many women say it's a day I've been dreaming of since I was a little girl. Okay, so when you were a little girl, adults were telling you that you had to do this thing. That's what you're saying. And now that you're older, you feel like you need to do this thing that you were always brought up to believe that you had to do. But stop and think, is this something that you really want to do? And what are the pros and cons versus marriage and just staying together without being married? Like, what is the upside of being married versus being not married? Other than if one leaves the other, the other gets half the shit. Like the, the, the one that has less gets half of the stuff that the one who has more has. That's the, that's the only benefit. Well, it's a commitment. Okay, well, you can be committed without making it contractual. It's like perverting the whole process. It's corporatizing this thing that should be pure and innocent. You should be together because you want to be, not because you're contractually bound, or you are in fear of losing half of the shit you've worked your entire life for being held as collateral against you if you were to default on your legally binding contract. What if we gave tips to minorities about how to maintain power in society? 
like lessons from a white man with experience because like this is new right like white dudes our stock is going down okay especially if you're a straight white guy if you're a straight white guy your stock is tanking and if you're anything else your stock is going up and the more rare you are when i say rare i mean as a percentage of the population your stock is skyrocketing you guys are like dogecoin trans lgbtq plus all the alphabet people but really of them so like lgbtq is like is like crypto right now their stock is really doing well but then it goes down and then it goes back up and it goes down you know we're doing a pump and dump right um so but like of the cryptos there's that one crypto that is everyone's keeping an eye on like hey this could be the next big thing and that's right now that's trans it was gay back in the day gay is like bitcoin so Gay is like Bitcoin and trans is like Doge. And I'm sure there's some other ones that are coming up and I can't imagine what other things are coming up. Like if people start saying that they are descendants of ancient space aliens um, who are from another planet, that's super rare. That's something that's even wilder than being trans like you're part space alien uh that something like that could be like the next doge and then doge will be like bitcoin and bitcoin will be like you know yesterday's news it'll be like the gays now uh no one cares i like it oh oh you're gay big whoop good for you like they're just like everybody else now that's the thing this is how this works like you fight for your rights you get rights to be married, to do whatever, to be whatever you are. And, and then you're not cool anymore. And then we got to move on to something like the next newest, biggest thing. And right now that's trans. I don't have anything against trans. I'm just, I'm not putting stock in it. I'm not buying into it. It's way too volatile for me. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. I feel like it's already gone up. Like how much higher can it go? You know, like, I, I feel like I missed the boat on the trans thing. And I feel like that's what people do. Like, they don't invest actual money. They invest, like, a social currency into these ideologies. Like, people who aren't trans will, like, the, their form of, like, investing money into it, like it's a stock, is, like, going online virtue signaling about how great trans people are or like a, a heroic picture of uh caitlin jenner uh with american flag in the background or some I, I don't know like that's their investment into this new upcoming rising stock of this social currency in which some people are choosing to uh, put their money into and i'm just not i'm just not into any of it i never have been 
I'm the guy who's just over here, like growing vegetables in his backyard, just like waiting for the entire planet to go to shit and storing away lots of canned tomatoes in my root cellar. That's me, you know, making sure my pigs are fat in case I need me some bacon. I don't have any of that stuff. I don't have any of that, but I do want it. I do want it. I want like, I used to make fun of preppers and now I'm like, am I a prepper? I think I'm a fucking prepper. I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm not a prepper. I'm not a prepper, but I do want like a self-sustaining farm where in case the world goes to shit, I have a reliable source of food, but I'm not a prepper. (laughs) I mean, I want solar panels. So in case the power grid goes down, like I still have power, but I'm not a prepper. (laughs) I want to harvest my own rainwater. It's like just in case the water pumps go out like they did during this winter storm this past time. That, you know, I'll still have water and I won't need electricity to pump it from some well that's out in the city that's not working at the moment, but I'm not a prepper. That's like me, basically. I'm like this wannabe prepper who doesn't want to admit that they are one, but wants to be one. Um, I don't know. So what are some tips that us old white guys, first of all, I say us, like I'm part of them. I've never had power over shit. I've never had money. I've never had power. I don't know what any of this stuff is like, but I can imagine like if you wanted to give, like I've, you know, I can probably, you know, walk you through it. First of all, the first thing you do is you don't go around gloating about how you have the power. That's like rule number one. That's day one. Okay. This is totalitarianism. 101 okay if if you want to like own people you don't go around advertising how you own people okay this is the mistake that you wokesters are making right now okay you're going around showing it off okay you don't show it off. So when you show it off, people don't want you to have it. People only want you to be successful if they think you're not. Okay. So if you go around talking about how you guys are in charge now and you've got you, you know, you you've got all the chips and Uh, People are going to start living life the way that you dictate that they should live life. You're not going to last. You're going to build resentment in the populace. And they will eventually resist against you simply because people don't like being controlled. The key is you got to control people without them knowing that they're being controlled. So these woke people are out there like brazenly brazenly brazen brazenly is that a word i feel like that's a word i mean i know brazen is a word brazen is brazenly a word they're brazenly putting it out there on the internet just tearing other people down like hey look at this person they're a piece of shit tear them down look at this group of people they're all pieces of shit tear them down 
uh, this is what you can say. This is what you can't say. That's not how you do it. That's rookie mistakes. Okay. These are rookie mistakes. Let me let a white guy who knows what it's like to be at the top of the food chain tell you how this goes. Okay. That's the first thing you don't do. And then the second thing, I don't know what the second thing is. You had to give me time to think about it. I feel like I had it and then I lost it. And then I looked at my next joke and now that's all I can think about. Bing! So I thought about killing myself and then the preacher said, you may now kiss the bride. And then I thought, well, maybe later. That was just like a little one-liner that I had written in here. <laughs> I think I might have actually been thinking about killing myself. And, and then I was thinking about like other people who might think about killing themselves and, <laughs> and what situations they might be in. Then I thought about some guy just beat of sweat rolling down his brow and his temple. Just be like a fucking... I was gonna fucking kill myself. Oh my god, I need this. Oh god, I can't handle this. I just need to kill him. And then from out of the frame, because it's like you're watching a movie, right? Like you like when I imagine things, I imagine like I'm watching a show. And then like his voice goes down, and then a preacher comes in from out of nowhere. It's like, you may now kiss the bride. <laughs> And then he puts on a fake smile and the bride's so happy and then they kiss and they turn and then everyone's standing up and clapping and there's people taking pictures and they walk down the aisle and holding hands and she's just excited out of this world because she's just, you know, scored the jackpot. She's contractually bound this man to giving away half his shit should he ever decide to leave her or should she ever decide to leave him and then claim it's his fault and then take any children that they might have and hold them over him as leverage to get what she wants. That's really what marriage is all about, right? Uh, and so she, uh, and then, but he's forcing a smile through his teeth as he tries to figure out the ramifications of the giant mistake that he's just made or has he made maybe he doesn't know he's made a huge mistake he just thinks that this is maybe how all guys feel and that's how he justifies in his head but then he finds out years later down the road that nope that was his gut trying to tell him this was a bad idea <laughs> But by then, it's too late. It's too late. You have already committed, my friend. As soon as you say I do, you are fucked. Well, I guess you could get it annulled. You could get it annulled. But, you know, you've already, like, bought the house. You've already sent, like, thank you cards to people who gave you a set of towels for your new master bathroom and that overpriced storage unit that you call a house that's another thing that's another little bit 
I started thinking about one day about how houses, aren't they just really just expensive storage units? Like, isn't that what they are now? Like, that's probably not what they originally were. Originally, people didn't have houses. They just lived outside <laughs> or just under a tree or in a cave or somewhere where they wouldn't get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. Um, and then at some point along the way, someone was like, you know what? It would be really nice if this mud hut that we live in had a separate room just for us. And then the kids can have their room and then we can have a common area where we all hang out. But then we'd have a separate spaces. And then it snowballed from there. And now we have a married couple with no kids living in 3,000 square feet, four bedrooms, two of which they do not need, and one of which they have converted into a room to store all the excess shit that could not fit in the rest of the 3,000 square feet of living space that they had. And we have to fill every single corner with something. We can't have a blank wall or an empty corner in any of that 3,000 square feet. We got to have something fucking everywhere. So we go out and we spend our hard-earned money at that job we fucking hate that we fight through traffic to get to and scrap for every dollar that we earn from said job that we hate in spite of just wanting to stay at home and do something we actually enjoy. And we spend it on shit to fill our expensive storage units. That's really what houses have become. Have they not? Think about it. If you packed up everything in your house in boxes and put them in a room and only took out what you needed as you needed it, after a month of doing that, how much stuff would you have taken out of those boxes in that room? Maybe a TV. Maybe a chair, two chairs, one for each of you, maybe a table to eat on, maybe a couple of plates, a couple of forks, a couple of glasses for your drinks, maybe your bed to sleep on. What else? Toothbrushes? How much space does that take up? A toothpaste to put on the toothbrushes? Maybe your contact case, if you wear contacts, your glasses. Maybe you need lights. So you got a couple of lamps here and there, but you got overhead lighting, probably flip a switch. That doesn't take up any space. It's mounted into the ceiling. What I'm talking about, like, like this is not funny. This is not the finished bit. I'm just saying, like, I'm just going through some thoughts that go in my head. They're not all winners, okay? I'm not saying this is going to make the final cut, all right? It needs work. I'm just saying you don't need most of the shit that you put out there. 
And if you only had enough living space for just that amount, you could probably get by with less than a thousand square feet and save all that money you're spending on 2000, the other 2000 square feet of storage, taking that money and investing it into something that could turn that money into even more money. Like, I don't know, a 401k or Roth IRA, something that yields a five to 10% annual return year over year, reinvest the dividends. And then when you retire, you have millions more than you would have otherwise. But no, we got to have a fucking couch for the guest room that we don't need that pulls out into a bed so that people who never come to visit can have a place to sleep. Bing! I wonder if people who do cremations for a living have a hard time enjoying barbecue. What do you think? Like if you're if your job is to set meat on fire all day, only it's human meat, and then you go to a gathering with friends where they're setting meat on fire and it smells kind of like the human meat that you set on fire all day, and then you have to sit down and eat that meat. So for a while there, I was uh, contemplating on becoming a medical examiner. My degree is in biology. You guys know I'm a science nerd. If you listen to the show, you know I'm a science nerd. So I was contemplating on becoming a field agent with the medical examiner's office. And what a field examiner does is it goes out to places where there are dead bodies of which there are no witnesses as to how that dead body got there or how that person died. And the field examiner would kind of be like the initial uh, person to see the site where the body was located, take pictures, document everything. Kind of like CSI, only without all the Hollywood bullshit. Um, and I... You know, I, I, I applied. They said, hey, here's an internship. You can do this for a while. We can't pay you, but when we're ready to hire another person, uh, you know, you'll get the job. So I was like, okay. And I was still working my other job while doing this, right? So I had another job. I might have had two other jobs at the time. I don't know. This was a while back. But on one of the things that I went out to, one of the, one of the calls that we got, um, was um, a car or a truck, whatever, that had flipped over off of an embankment off of a highway, flipped over, exploded, caught on fire. The person was trapped inside, burned to death to a crisp. So I get there and they open up the door, like they have to use, you know, the fire department, like there's, you know, it's a scene. There's ambulances, fire, fire uh, trucks, cop cars, flashing lights everywhere. The, the, I'm riding with the person who's an actual field agent. And we, you know, we get through the blockade and we go up to where the things went down and we walk down the embankment. Uh, fire department's using the jaws of life, cutting open the door. Um, 
and then they pull the dead body out and it is burned to a crisp i mean charred black like a perfectly cooked brisket and it smelled not bad i know what you're thinking holy shit justin you're a cannibal you're a fucking psycho i can't listen to you anymore but i'm telling you it just smelled like no and i was hungry i was i was hungry i i hadn't eaten in a while you know you get these calls and you there's no like oh i'll be there later let me grab something to eat and i'll be there no you gotta go right then so i hadn't eaten i was hungry I show up i smell what appears to be barbecue you know put it outside of your mind that this is a person if you're just talking about the smell it wasn't bad it kind of smelled like ribs or something which there were ribs yes is that dark and morbid yes but this is how my brain works and i'm just telling you that it didn't smell terrible okay i'm being objective here I've never eaten, let me just say this as a disclaimer, I've never eaten a person. I've never eaten human meat. I've never desired to eat human meat or a person, nor would I ever, I would die before, I don't know, I say I would die before I ate a person, but then I'm like, well, the Donner parties probably thought the same thing. Don't know who that is, Google it. Um, so anyway, I'm just thinking like if your job is to do that all day and you just get so accustomed to it and then you go to a barbecue, like does your brain differentiate between the two? And does that person who like goes to do that when he goes to work every day to the crematorium or whatever it's called, does he think "Hmm, maybe I did skip lunch. Like, what is, I mean, does his brain be like, hey, it's food. And he has to fight that urge. I don't know. I think there might be a joke in there somewhere. Um, Ding. Sorry. I forgot to ding. Uh, how credit agencies are like the mafia only they break your legs after you pay them back so what inspired that joke well that that thought it's not a joke that's just a thought uh was i paid off my car and my credit score went down like 70 points and i was trying to figure out why i would borrow money and make timely payments as agreed in full, on time, throughout the entire five years that I paid them back uh, as agreed upon in the original contract. Never missed a payment, never had a late payment, always paid the full amount on time. And then I paid back my obligation plus interest over five years. And then I was punished for that with my credit score going down by 70 points and i was just thinking about how 
credit agencies are like the reverse mafia. Like the mafia, the real mafia will break your legs if you don't pay them. And credit agencies were like, fuck that. We're going to break their legs if they don't pay us back. And then if they do pay us back, we're still going to break their fucking legs. So credit agencies are like way worse than the mafia. Yeah, maybe there's a joke in there somewhere. Uh... This kind of ties into what I said earlier. When I hear, oh, sorry, ding. When I hear people got engaged, all I can think about is how it's got a better than 50 chance of ending in misery. I kind of talked about that already. You know, people people make a big announcement, just engaged. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Don't get too ahead of yourselves now, sending out a Facebook announcement about how happy you are. Okay, let's give it, let's give it some time. She hasn't lost her mind yet, or maybe she has. Um, like, I don't know why shortened, oh, ding. I don't know why shortened versions of words are more offensive than full names. Like, for example, if you say, you, you, you can't say, you can say mentally retarded but you can't shorten that down to retard. It's just efficient. Like people used to be called mentally, they would say mentally retarded and that was fine. And that was accepted. But then at some point, somebody just shortened that down to retard or to retarded. They said, instead of saying mentally retarded, we're just going to say retarded. Because it was kind of implied they were mentally retarded. So then people just started saying retarded. And then they started referring to people who were retarded as retards. And say, oh, that person's a retard. But then, of course, that trickled down from people who were actually mentally retarded down to the guy (laughs) that that one dumb friend you have at school like the guy that i don't know you could put something in there like uh, the guy that did something stupid i don't know that might that would make that funny uh the guy that did something stupid and then people called him a retard for doing that right uh you can say homosexual but you can't say homo People would say they're homosexuals, and then they shorten that down to homos, but that was not okay. Why is the shortened version of that not okay? Uh, transgender, fine to say. You can say transgender. This person is transgender. They're a transgender athlete. They're a transgender uh, individual. Shorten it down to tranny. Now it's a problem. Can't say tranny. Uh, even though it's just more efficient. Um, 
You can say faggot, but you can't say fag. <laughs> See, that's when the joke gets funny because obviously you, you can't say either one of those, right? But, you know, you set them up with the first ones, which makes sense. And then you hit them with the faggot versus fag thing. And then that just, that just ruins them, right? Ruins all your credibility. By the way, it's not a word that I use like in normal speak. That's just for like this bit. And also I'm going to employ the black friend defense. And I'm going to say I have a gay brother and he loves that word. He thinks it's hilarious. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's, that's my get out jail free card on that one. Um, You got to think about like how, you know, back when they were, okay, so Aunt Jemima, the syrup, Aunt Jemima syrup apparently was pulled. I don't, I don't know if that actually happened. I don't purchase Aunt Jemima syrup. I don't purchase syrup, period. Um, not a big syrup guy or honey guy for that matter. I like honey. Not a huge fan of syrup, but like I'll eat it with some chicken and waffles every now and then if I'm being served it, but I do not purchase it, right? It's like pot. It's like one of those things that I don't buy, but if you've got some in your offering, I'll take it. So um, Aunt Jemima syrup was apparently under fire because um, it was uh, racist sound. And I was like, are, are, why are we upset? Why does... Okay, so the people who are saying that Aunt Jemima's sounds racist, like the name sounds racist. Why are they saying it sounds racist? Why do they think it sounds racist? They're saying it sounds racist because those people on some level think that the name Jemima sounds black. And not only does it sound black, but it sounds like it's perp being perpetrated by white people. But this is what this woman referred to herself as. And first of all, who are you to say what sounds black and doesn't sound black? And, you know, like the people who raise the stink about this. Uh, how many of them were white people who were just virtue signaling? And this was their investment into the social stock, the social currency of the uh woke stock market like what it, what it, why do you think the name jemima sounds black you obviously have some sort of prejudices inherent within you to where you hear a name like jemima and automatically assume it is a black lady. even though we know it's a black lady but like you think it sounds too black or sounds slavey, I guess. Like what, 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 what makes you think that? Why do you think that sounds that way? You have an inherent bias. Is that not the very thing that you are saying that you are against is inherent biases? That got heavy and deep, but like, you know, me, you could like turn that into a joke. I don't know. Maybe I could work in like a different example or a metaphor for something else. 
like if white people thought something sounded too white and they got offended like a lazy Susan why is it called a lazy Susan why why are Susans lazy Susan is very close to Karen Susan and Karen's I think we can all agree on we all have this inherent by when you hear the name Susan you don't think of a black lady you think of a white lady don't you why do you think a Karen is called a Karen Karen is called a Karen because Karen is a white lady name just like Susan why are we calling Susan's lazy? Are we implying that all white women are lazy when we call a lazy Susan, which is the thing that's in the table that you set stuff on and you turn it. And that's how you pass stuff around the table without reaching across the table as to possibly put your arm over someone's plate in the process of doing so, which is considered rude, right? If you're sitting down at a formal dining table and you reach across to hand pass something to someone else and you your arm passes over the vertical plane that surrounds that plate that that person has, then that's considered rude, right? You don't want that. So you put the lazy Susan in the middle. You put whatever you need to pass. You put that gravy bowl right on that lazy Susan. You spin it around. It goes to the person on the other side. And then they take it and Bob's your uncle. Bob, why is Bob your uncle? Why can't it be Jerome? Jerome, what type of name is that? You know what type of name that is. You know good and goddamn well, Bob is a white guy name and Jerome is a black guy name. We all have these names when we hear them. We're like, oh, we know what that is. Mm-hmm. Never heard of no black lady named Karen. Maybe there is a black lady named Karen. I would like to speak to a black Karen. See what she thinks about all this mess going on. Beer break. Ah. <laughs> Ding. Uh, maybe we'll do one more. Um uh... So there's been a lot of controversy about the number of black people being shot by cops, which is bad. This is bad. Okay. No one should be shot by cops. And yes, black people are shot disproportionately more than white people. I haven't run the numbers on that, but that's what I'm told. And that's what everyone seems to agree on. So I believe it. I do. Also, just from my own personal experience, every time I see someone pulled out of a car on the side of the road by cops, nine times out of 10, that person is black. I don't know why. I've just kind of started keeping track of it. And I'll be driving down the highway and I'll see a cop with someone pulled over. And when they do have someone pulled out of the car, I'll look at the person who's outside of the car who's standing at the front of the car, like facing the dashboard, I guess, to be on camera or whatever with their hands behind their back, maybe in cuffs, maybe not. I don't know. But, but most of the time I've noticed a trend that person is black. And I'm like, every time I'm like, God damn, like I started like wanting, like looking out for white guys that were pulled out of the car. I've never fucking saw one. 
So I believe it. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not discrediting this claim at all or its validity. I think that this is a legit statistic. Um, but I thought, well, instead of, you know, cops shooting less black people, because they, they seem to be really bad at that. They, they seem to not be getting any better at that. Why don't we just shoot more white people? I mean, we'll just even it out a little, you know, like if we can't shoot less black, like if it's literally impossible, let's just say theoretically it's impossible to shoot less black people in a car. Well, would it make us feel better if more white people got shot? Maybe, maybe that's what we need. I mean, not me. I don't want to get shot. But maybe we just need more white people getting shot on the news. Maybe that's what we need. You know, you got to look at things from both sides. You know, yeah, we want to reduce shootings on black people. Let's work on it. But in the meantime, there's something we can start doing right now to kind of help balance out these numbers. And that's shoot more white people. We can do this, cops. Come on. You've got this. It's easy. You already have the gun. You already have the PTSD. Bing. Um, I don't know. I don't know. What else do you got? I've got so many. Like, I could keep going all night and just scroll through. I literally have hundreds and hundreds of these. Um, like I said, not all are winners, but I am going to be doing an open mic tomorrow night at Hyenas. I am not prepared. Hyenas in Dallas off of Mockingbird Lane. I'm going to be there. Doors open at 7. Show starts at 8 uh two drink minimum i don't know i think it's free admission you just with a two drink minimum i think that's how it works but i'm going to be there um you're probably not going to be there because why would you you don't exist because no one listens to this show this is just something i do to keep my brain busy to keep the sad away so I'm going to try to keep the sad away in front of other people tomorrow night at Hyenas off Mockingbird in Dallas starting at 8 o'clock. I don't know when I'll be going up. Um, I'm not really nervous because I don't care. And I've kind of already accepted the fact that I'm probably going to suck. That's really how you got to do it. You really just got to set, you got to set expectations for yourself. You got to know you're a failure going in. And some people say that's unhealthy, but I actually think that that's probably a good way to just look at life in general. Is to just go in knowing you're going to bomb, accepting it in advance, like just accepting the bombing. Envision yourself, picture yourself. People will tell you, 
to picture yourself succeeding, imagine yourself making everyone laugh. No, you should do the opposite of that. You should imagine yourself bombing and tanking and going home and killing yourself afterwards because you're so embarrassed. That way, when you actually do, you've already accepted it. That's what you've expected. And then it's not so bad. The disappointment's not so bad. And then guess what? If you do good, pleasant surprise. You can only go up from there, kid. All right. That's a show, everybody. Um, Daddy loves you. Y'all have a good night.